In these lessons, we have seen that Solomon is sitting down with his son and trying to explain to him how he can have the good life now. Here are the things, my son, that you can do in this life, the decisions that will be proper for you to make so that you will have less turmoil and that you will be able to stand in favor before God and not put yourself through many of the disasters that we often put ourselves through. As I've related to you, this is very similar to what most parents will do with their children at some point. Try to sit them down and explain to them the the ways of life and how their own personal experiences, that they did these things and you should do those things, and that they did these things and you should not do those things. Trying to teach their son wisdom and understanding knowledge and learning so that they can live a good life. And as we read the Proverbs, that's exactly what we see Solomon then doing with his son. And we're going to spend our time in chapters 3 and 4 this morning of the Proverbs and looking at some more of the wise sayings that Solomon is giving to his son, instructing him on the ways to live, what would be profitable and useful for him. And in the same way, we can learn for our own life, how we can do things in a proper way so that we don't put ourselves through as many turmoils and distresses and can find favor in the sight of God and men. Notice that in chapter 3, in the first two verses, it, 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 there's interest in the Proverbs continually give us a, a break where you see Solomon keeps saying, my son. And so it, again, it reminds us as if Solomon is sitting on the couch with his son, with his hand on his back and saying, My son, here are, here are some things I need to tell you. Keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life and bring you prosperity. And I think that's an important uh, statement that is made by Solomon. And he has to remind his son that the things that he is telling him are going to benefit him in this life. And I understand that because, you know, what we were like as, as teenagers is, when our parents tried to teach us something really smart and wise, we typically went, yeah, yeah, I know. And it, it's almost as if Solomon is saying, now, now keep listening to me, my son. I know I've said a lot up to this point. But listen, if you do the things that I say, if you will keep my commands, look at the benefits that are going to be available to you. If you will just listen and take these things to heart. And so he says, they'll prolong your life many years and give you prosperity. These are things that will help you in this life to help keep you away from disaster and help you from making terrible decisions that will ruin your life. My son, here are the things I'm about to tell you. He gives them another benefit in verse 4 when he says, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. And I think that's an interesting uh, picture that, that Solomon presents to his son is that these benefits are not only for us between God and us, that we will be spiritually whole, that we will be found pleasing in the sight of God, and we will be found doing the things that God wants. That is the most important thing. But it also has side benefits to daily living as well. It also has side benefits in the interactions that you and I have with neighbors and co-workers and other people that we know and our acquaintances 
that doing the things that Solomon is describing will not only benefit you spiritually, but it's going to also benefit you in the relationships and the various decisions and circumstances that come along in daily life. And so the Proverbs then are very practical. They will make you whole spiritually and help you in your walk with God, but they will also help you in your daily walk of various decisions that you and I have to make Daily basis, Monday through Sunday, different decisions you and I have to come across. And so this is what Solomon is imparting to his son. Notice then verse 5, if you're there in your Bibles, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. This is the first important point that Solomon then expresses to his son. You want to live the good life now. You want to avoid a lot of the bad decisions that bring about disasters upon us. He starts off and says, My son, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Now I think this is really, really important. And I want to stop on this sentence for a minute. Because I am assured that if I could pass out paper or take a poll, we would all say, we trust in the Lord with all of our heart. I mean, we, that, we're, that's why we're here. We, we're, we're putting our trust in God. But let me put that to the test and ask you some questions then. Because notice what it means to, rely, to, to trust in the Lord is to rely upon God and not rely upon our own understanding. And friends, I think in 99.999% of our decisions that we make in life, we rely upon our own understanding first. Just almost exclusively. Is the first question you ask when a decision arises in a various circumstance, whether it be major or whether it be minor, the first question you always ask that comes to mind is, now, how will this affect the kingdom of God? I know that's the first question that always jumps to our minds. <laughs> no, it's not. And I just whacked us all because I did the same thing. That's not the first thing that comes to mind. That's exactly what he's saying here. Don't rely upon your own measurements. You want to trust in the Lord. That means don't lean on your own understanding. Don't think about, okay, well, here's what, how, what really matters to me. What do we usually go across when we think about, okay, what decision should I make? The first question is, well, will I be happy? Uh, will I be comfortable? Um, how well does it pay? Does it have good schools? How will it affect this? Uh, is the commute very long? Uh, you know, but that's the decisions that we, how we base our decisions we go through all of that first, and then at the very end of the list we go, now how will that affect my spouse and my children? And then after we worry about that one, then we go, and oh, what does that mean with God too? And Solomon just said, son, you're going to get yourself in trouble making decisions that way. As you just told them. And yet that's just almost exclusively how you and I go about making decisions. We go about making decisions on what we think is best. And when is the last time you and I tried to make a decision and said, okay, how will this affect the kingdom of God? How will this affect me spiritually? 
How will this affect the church that I am working at? How will this affect my family spiritually? Those need to be the first questions asked. And so often, we don't even think about those questions. They don't even cross our minds. Well, what does that mean? It means we're relying upon our own understanding. And Solomon is saying, make decisions that are based upon what God would say is best. And you and I have to put ourselves in those kind of shoes and put on those kinds of lenses and think about, okay, what would God have in this situation? What is best for Him? Well, how can I be a better servant because of Him? What does this mean to me spiritually? What does this mean to my family spiritually? What does it mean to the congregation? That, those are the questions that we just so often do not even care about. And I think it is so interesting that he says, you need to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And all of us would say, oh, we trust in the Lord with all of our heart. But how few decisions really go through this filter of what is the most important thing in life. And that has to be our spiritual, our spiritual souls here. That has to be what we think about first and foremost. And so often that is the last thing we want to consider. And so many decisions that you and I make be small things, be big things. So many of the decisions that we make do not take that into consideration. We would do a lot better just in general with our own fight against sin and against temptation and against Satan if we thought more like that. You know, uh, adultery would be a lot more difficult if the first question I asked, now how would that affect me spiritually and affect my, my family spiritually and and the, the church and the kingdom spiritually? But yeah, that, you know, that would be an interesting filter. But that's not what we think about. How does it affect me? What makes me happy? What makes me comfortable? And what Solomon just simply just laid out to his son. I can just imagine him sitting on the couch and he's just kind of pinching him here and saying, Son, don't think about yourself when you're making decisions. Trust in the Lord. And lean on his understanding. And notice that ties right into the next verse in verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him. If I can just say it this way. Every decision that you and I make needs to glorify God. Acknowledge him in every step. And notice he says if you acknowledge him in all your ways. He will make your path straight. So he's saying if you will choose this path. If you will acknowledge God and recognize He is the priority that my decisions have to revolve around what is in God's best interest, what is in the spiritual best interest. If you will make decisions that will glorify God and not simply for my own comforts, my own desires, my own wishes, my own wants. He says, God will make your path straight. God's going to stay with you through life. You're going to be able to walk with Him. If you make those kind of decisions. And so I would just say it this way as well. Every act. Every decision and in every circumstance, regardless if we're in good times or if we're in bad times, every act and decision should reflect our utter dependence and complete dependence upon God. It should just be visible. Every decision that you and I make, it should reflect that we are depending upon God, that we're relying upon Him all the way. And that's what Solomon is asking his son to do. Don't just rely upon your own knowledge and your own wisdom. Don't do that. Because you and I think about the physical too much. We don't think about the spiritual enough. And so think about the things of God. Which ties into the next 
point of verse 7, which I think as Solomon goes through this, like, I don't know, I see my dad working. That's what cracks me up as I read this. You know the reason why we don't trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And why instead of asking the questions that are the most important about, okay, what is, what's the effect that this would have in the kingdom of God? What effect would this have on my soul? What effect would this have spiritually upon my family? The reason why we don't ask those questions is because of the next verse. He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. The reason why we don't ask those questions is because we're so stinking smart. We've got it all figured out. I know what's best for me. I know what's best for my family. And this is the decision we're going to make. And don't ask me about if I'm making a proper decision or not. I know what I need to do. I'm trusting the Lord with all of my heart. No, you're not. Notice what he's getting at right there. He's getting at pride. He's getting at arrogance. We like to think we know what we're doing in this life. There's nobody in here I think could raise their hand and say, you know, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing on this globe. You know, somebody help me out. I'm just completely lost. No, I, we've got a game plan. We know what we're doing and things are working out well right now. And I've got a plan for the future and things are all laid out. I've got my ducks in a row. We, we've got it all figured out. Solomon's saying, don't be wise in your own eyes. Uh-uh. Don't be so arrogant. You think you've got it all figured out, and we do that. We think we have it all figured out, and we refuse to ask the most important questions. And that's why he says that don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Remember, that ties back way on back to the first chapter of verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That is where it all starts. The fear of the Lord is the most important aspect. Everything we do in life needs to be centered around that very premise of fearing God. What is in God's best interest? I am His servant. My life needs to reflect God's glory. And every decision I make needs to show a complete dependence upon God. Now, you're saying that all sounds great. Let me... Let me throw out the question that immediately comes to my mind and I hope to you as well. How do we do that? How do we rely upon the... Here's here's what Solomon is saying. Trust in God. Rely upon Him. Don't rely upon your own thinking. How do we do that? How do you and I go about doing that? The first thing I want to say is that does not mean take a hands-off approach. And I will explain to you what I mean by that. But how many times... Perhaps I've, I can imagine I've done it myself. How many times we, we do that and people that we've known have done this. They will, they will throw up this and say and an important decision has come along or even a minor decision. They will say, well, I prayed to God and so that's why I'm doing this. That boggles my mind. And every time I hear it now, I used to kind of be doing that kind of business. And I tried to knock that off. <laughs> It sounds righteous and it sounds like the thing the Christian ought to do, but how many times this has been so misused? It would be this morning, let's suppose this morning I woke up and said, you know, I'm just not real sure I want to go to services this morning. And, and so I, I pray to the Lord, Lord, you know, help me out and guide me as to should I go to services or not this morning? And I walk out the garage door and I have two flat tires. Well, clearly God does not want me to go to church, and so I go back in, sit down, turn on the TV, and throw my chair, right? Why are you laughing at that? What's the difference? 
What's the difference? This is how we think we're relying upon God. As well, I just shot God a prayer and now he's going to, to completely alter the course of the universe so that I know what I'm supposed to do. And so many decisions are made that way. They sit back and go, oh, well, clearly God is leading me down that road. Why can't it be Satan thwarting you go from going down the right road? What's the difference? And I think that's very important to keep in mind. You know... Satan's trying to keep me from going to services, right? That's why I've got the flat tire and the baby throws up and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's just like Sunday. Oh, no, we're not going to. What's going on? You know, Satan's working on me, right? But how do you know that? That's how you know. It's not because the heavens opened up one day and said, Brent, you need to go to services this morning. It's not the way it works. And so many times, that's the way we want to make decisions in life. As we just go about and say, well, you know, I just don't know what to do. And I would argue that there is a lot of reason to see in the scriptures that Satan is actively working to throw us down the wrong direction. Think about Job. I think about Job. He could have just stepped back and said, you know. Clearly, I am doing something wrong in my life. God is showing me that I have married the wrong woman, that obviously I'm in the wrong business, that my children are useless. God is just trying to show me that I need to quit my job, start something different, move to a new location, because look at the disaster that has fallen upon me. Look at what is going on in my life. I am a wreck. It's not what the book of Job tells us to do. But we treat God that way. And and I'm very disturbed by this kind of decision making. Uh, And it seems to be borrowed from the other religions that you just kind of step back and and God will just kind of levitate you to the right place. And that's just not found in the scriptures. The way we know God's will is to know God's word. And that's what Solomon is telling his son. You need to know God's word. Spent a whole lesson last Sunday morning about that. If you missed it, I'm sorry. You have to kind of pick up the notes on that. That's what Solomon is repeatedly telling his son. You have to know God's word. You have to put in the work. Remember Solomon described wisdom crying out in the streets. But nobody will listen. No one will make forth the effort to try to find out what God wants. We want the easy hands-off approach. Let me just sit back and suddenly it will all come to me one day. That'd be nice, but that's not the way to make life decisions. And I think it's very important for us to see that. Now, let me put a caveat on that. That doesn't nullify the power of prayer. And I'm by no means nullifying that. I don't want you to see that. I do not go to an extreme and say, okay, well, you know, God does, does absolutely nothing. I don't think that's true. Otherwise, I don't see the purpose in prayer why God would tell us to pray and why he's told it's effective and powerful. But the point is, God never told you and I to say a prayer, sit down on the floor, and then see what happens to us. God expects us to know his will. The reason why I know I should come to services is because God told me to right here. The reason I should know not to commit adultery is not because I offered a prayer to God and said, you know, Lord, give me the right direction, and then, you know, some... The situation comes along, I go, oh, well, God's leading me down that road. No. 
because God said so. I really want to encourage you to think about how do you know the difference between God trying to put you in the right direction and Satan throwing you in the wrong direction? I will submit to you there's only one way to know. There's only one way to know. How do you know the difference? Except you know the word of God. And that's what Solomon is impressing upon his son. You need to know God's will to make it through life. And to know God's will means you need to know God's word. And that's what he points out earlier as we talked about. The Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So trust in the Lord. But watch how you trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord the way God advised you to trust in the Lord. Yes, you rely upon him with all of your heart. You ask the proper questions in a decision. Is this what God would have me to do? Is, well, this is good for the kingdom of God? Is it good for me spiritually? Is it good for my family spiritually? These are the important questions to ask. And the only way to know that is to know God's will. The second thing is in verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. I really like that, that, that passage. It is interesting to me how the Old Testament is filled with teaching the people of Israel to only give God your best and to only give God the first fruits. Just repeatedly telling them you could not go out to the, to, to the pen one day and, you know, there's a lamb and man, that lamb ain't going to make it more than a couple of days. That will be a perfect offering before God because, you know, that one's not going to hurt any. No sacrifice there. We know the lamb ain't making it until next Saturday. So let's just pull that one out and offer that up before God. God was demanding a sacrifice. <laughs> That's what a sacrifice means. You have to give something up. And so it had to be your best. It had to be valuable. It had to be without blemish to make that sacrifice before God. And notice what Solomon is telling your son. And his son here is honor the Lord. How do you do that? By giving God your best. By giving God the things that are first. Unfortunately, we give God the leftovers. You know, how do you... Maybe you all are... Big leftover fans. My wife knows that. You know, just make enough to make it for the leftovers. You know, I'm glad for the microwave and all, but it just isn't the same. The leftovers just aren't the same as when the lasagna came out right piping out of the oven. That was perfect. You reheat it the next day, just not the same. But we want to give God the same kind of yucky, warmed-over leftovers. We don't want to give God the best. When I have time, I'll serve God. When I have some money, that's what I'll give. When I have whatever. We put all these conditions on. Instead of, all right, I know I'm tired. I know I'm worn out. I know it's been a long week, but I have to serve God anyway. I know you give God my best. I'm going to give Him my best in all my effort, my best in all my time, my best of my mind, of my spirit, of my soul. All of these things I'm going to give before God first. And that's what God is asking. He does not want warmed over leftovers from us. He gave up everything. Do you think He wants the bottom of the barrel? And that's what He's trying to tell us, son, here. You honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crop. And I want us to see something. We're honoring ourselves. And we give to ourselves first. Recognize. We, we feel real good. Oh, you know, I, 
I gave God the leftovers. You know, that's, that's good, right? No. Because what you've really done is you've honored yourself first. What you have said is, when I take care of all of my wants, wishes, and needs first, if there's anything left over, Lord, I'll give it to you. Oh, I'm sure he's very excited about that. As much as I'm excited about three-day-old lasagna out of the microwave. No. God is not pleased. And that's what he's saying here, is recognize that God demands the best. And how many scriptures talk about how God will take care of us? He puts it here in this passage of verse 10. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. I don't believe Solomon is saying that if you give X amount of dollars, you know God's going to put it right back in your wall. You know, all the from the air is going to feel heavier. No, it's going to feel heavier because your arm's getting tired. But it's not, you know, it doesn't say that God's going to just, you know. But he did say, he'll take care of you. Remember what we started back in? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Remember what he started with his son with? Do we really trust God enough to give him the first and the best? And I think that identifies usually where our weakness is. Is we really, quite honestly, don't believe that God is going to take care of us. I have to take care of myself first. Because, you know, how would I live if I don't do that? Now, I already talked to you about hands-off approach. Now, please don't go do hands-off and say, okay, I'm going to give everything and expect God to do something. No, we just dealt with that. (laughs) That's not part of the picture either. But he is saying, give God first. He'll take care of you. He may not give you mansions, but he'll take care of you. And you and I have to trust that. New Testament talks about that. I put the passage on the board. You can study that for yourself at home. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 talks about that. But here, quite plainly, telling his son, Give it to God first. It's the most important thing you do. He'll take care of you in this life. Notice in verse 13, he continues on. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. Here Solomon saying, look at the value of wisdom. Look how valuable it is. It's more profitable silver and better return than gold. It's more precious than rubies. He goes on in chapter 8 and does some more of it. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge instead, rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing you desire can compare with her. He goes on. With me, this is wisdom speaking, with me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. What he just said, I think, is you have to pay the price to obtain wisdom but that it is worth the price. Wisdom is more profitable for our lives than gold silver. Now, our world doesn't say that, right? Uh, uh, Our world's got it the other way around, is that if you acquire all the stuff, then you'll be really smart. (laughs) And God said, no, no. In fact, if you do the things of God, you'll be really smart, and God will take care of you. That's That's what God's trying to tell you. The wisdom... It's worth the tremendous sacrifice. 
what good is all the wealth, all the silver and all the gold, and you go through so much trouble, trial and misery because you have not been doing things God's way. We see that a lot in our very popular celebrities on TV that you catch wind of all the nonsense they have to go through in life. Oh, they've got fame and fortune, but their lives are disasters. I wonder why. (laughs) They're not living the wise life that God has laid out. It's as simple as that. And that's what he points out. Notice in chapter 4, verse 7, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it costs all you have. Get understanding. Hear what wisdom is saying to you? It's worth sacrificing everything to acquire the wisdom of God. That's how beneficial God's wisdom is in this world. How beneficial it is to you spiritually and physically as we walk in this earth. That's what God is trying to say. Listen to the value of wisdom, but it's not for free. We made mention of it last week. You and I cannot just sit back and hope one day that wisdom's just going to fall on us. That suddenly one day the knowledge of God will just reside on our minds. We'll take the magic pill and we'll know the things of God. It doesn't work that way. You and I have to do the work, as we talked about last week. You and I, then I encourage more time to prayer. James 1.5, anyone desires wisdom, let him ask God. That you and I spend more time reading and studying God's word because Solomon just said, wisdom comes from the mouth of God. Well, friends, God has spoke quite a bit. And unfortunately, you and I typically don't know an awful lot about all that God said in here. You think about it, God came along and said, I have just given you vast riches, things greater than rubies and gold and silver. And I've said these knowledgeable, wise words for living so that you could have favor not only with me, but amongst your, your, your people, the humanity. And it's all written down right here. And maybe we pull it out one hour a week if we can find it. It's running around in our trunk somewhere and who knows when's the last time we used it. That's God saying. God is saying, listen to me. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Make every effort be found pleasing to God. Ecclesiastes 2.26 God gives wisdom to those who are pleasing to Him. So God has told us how to live the good life and we and I have to redirect our minds to what we need to be doing while we are alive. And I love how he concludes chapter 4. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And this is a jump point, uh, Lord willing, to what we will look at next week because he moves into chapters chapter 5, 6, and 7 which talk about the traps of sexual morality. And so he warms up to this by saying to, to live the good life, you better guard your heart and realize that it is the, the source, it's the fountain uh, of life. And unfortunately, we don't guard our hearts very well. We allow all the things of the world to become so much more important than the things of God. You and I cannot let our hearts become infiltrated by the things of this world. And you and I live in a very dangerous time because so much of the world's pleasures and possessions are so easily accessible. 
And you and I have to be willing to put the filter down and the guard on to our heart and to our spiritual soul to say, you know, first thing I have to do in every decision that I make, in the direction I want to go in life, let me ask these important questions. Well, is this good for the kingdom of God? Is it good for me spiritually? Is it good for my family spiritually? Is it good for the congregation? Those should be the most important things that we're questioning. Is this good for God? And if all those are yeses, all right, now, you know, okay. You want to go make more money? I'm all for that. (laughs) That's fine. But don't make that the most important thing. And so often it's the other things that are so much more important. So trust in the Lord in all of your heart. And then give it all to God. I love how he told us on that. You know, That's truly showing our trust in God. When you and I are really willing to give the first fruits, to give our very best, the very best of our time, the very best of our efforts, the very best of our, our inner being, to give that to God first and not our tired, warmed over, leftovers, and then be willing to pay the price for wisdom. Do you think wisdom's worth it? Can you see Solomon trying to get that through to his son? Son, it's more precious than rubies. It's more valuable than gold. It's more profitable than silver. The wisdom that God gives will benefit you every day of your life. Don't neglect it. and Don't turn your ears silent to it. Let us open our ears to the will of God. Let us allow the word of God to direct us in the way that we need to go. He he gives us the guidebook. He's given us the help that we need. And we just don't know his will well enough. And so often we make bad decisions because of it. So live the good life now. Trust in God. And listen to the things that he's telling you. We'll talk more about this in our future lessons. We're going to get into some specifics of various situations that we find ourselves in. As I've previewed to you next week, Lord willing, the temptations of sexual morality are extremely strong in our society, but they were back then too. And so Solomon's going to tell us then, here's how to go down the proper path to avoid the, the difficulties that come from making the bad decisions with that. You pull your songbooks out. And I appreciate your time this morning. I hope you'll think about your situation before God. And I hope you will honestly evaluate your heart to decide if you're really trusting the Lord with all of your heart. That you're not just simply saying, yeah, I've got my trust in God, but that you have a life that reflects it. That the decisions that you are making on a daily basis are to bring glory to God. And that are efforts to improve your spiritual worship before God and to strengthen your own soul. That is why we are here today as well. As we worship God, we are also encouraging one another to do better, to be stronger, to live the life that God wants each and every one of us to lead. And we are calling upon you this morning to give your life to Jesus Christ before it's too late. Turn away from sins. Turn away from the desires. Turn away from comforts that you think are so important. And serve Jesus Christ. Confess Him with all of your heart. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Please do this before it's too late. Please make the decision to serve Him and to follow Him. And the reward of eternal life will be given to you. Won't you do that while we stand and while we sing?